1: Welcome to USA football's coach and coordinator podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski.
0: Hey coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division III coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me, at Coach K Grabowski, for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, So please contribute to the show As much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long term athlete development plan, something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com FDM. We're excited to be joined on today's podcast by the running backs coach at Virginia Tech, Adam Lechtenberg. Adam, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to visiting with you. Coach, you've had an interesting journey here as you've moved through the the coaching ranks, moved through the profession to where you're at right now as the running backs coach, just having been promoted to the running backs coach at Virginia Tech. You've been with Coach Fuente for some time. You've been at some other places, wore some different hats, but talk to us about the start of this for you. What was it that made you want to go into coaching?
1: I come from a family of people who were involved with education. So I've always been interested in coaching and teaching, you know, so I I value the educational part of coaching and the the opportunity to get a degree and to, you know, those kind of things are important to me. So I started out as a high school coach and I always wanted to coach at the college level, even as a young kid. And, And when I got my first opportunity, I was a little concerned about, you know, if you'd have the same impact on kids as you do at the high school level because those high school coaches have an unbelievable impact on, on kids. And I've found that was really was really kind of cool is at the college level, uh, you, you can still have a great impact because those kids are away from their parents, they're away from their homes for the first time. And so helping those kids become – turn in from – a or become – they start out as a kid when they get here and they, they leave as a grown up, you know, at age 22, 23 years old. And it's it's fun to see that that maturation and that process and be a part of it. So that's what kind of drew me to it is the education and the development of people. Um, and obviously, I have a great passion for football and love football. Uh, so, you know, like I said, at a young age, I was doing what to coach. And this is this is kind of my lifelong passion. And and I've loved every minute of it.
0: You had a lot of success as as a player being an all-state quarterback in high school and moving on you played DB at Nebraska how did some of those things as a player really i guess impact the way you've developed as a coach
1: well as a high school kid i played at a really small high school and we had great coaches and and a great program for that level and it was a it was a great experience you know we we won a lot of games i had great teammates and we worked in the summers and we worked in the off season and and those those things were exciting to me and I love being a part of a team and so my experience as a young player certainly fueled my fire to want to be involved with football my entire life because I loved every second of it to say that i played at Nebraska is a pretty big stretch I practiced at Nebraska I wasn't ever played or anything like that but I had a great experience there and it was George Darlington was my position coach while I was there and and got my degree there but I was certainly not a not an impressive player uh, at that level but loved the, the mental part of the game and, and always knew I wanted to develop into a coach so I kind of just followed my passion that way but coming from a small hard-working community and from a family that valued hard work that's kind of why i Stayed in the profession and continue to grind away to to get opportunities like what I have now, which is to be at a place that's, in my opinion, the best place in America to coach football in Blacksburg, Virginia. So it's it's been a been a fun journey.
0: So, coach, as as you got going in the profession and you know out of college, was it right away on your mind that this was a level you wanted to to reach, you wanted to get to the FBS level, or was it something you know you you just weren't sure of at first? I know I think you spent at least a year coaching high school ball as well, correct?
1: Yeah, I I coached two years of high school ball in Southwest Kansas, and I always wanted to get into the college level. And I went to, from from high school, I went to Wayne State College. had a great opportunity to coach wide receivers and and be really involved with everything for uh, Dan McLaughlin at Wayne State, who's a great coach, and, and turned that program around while he was there. And, you know, I... I didn't have a ton of experience when he hired me, but but those two years there at Wayne State helped me. And then I actually went to Truman State from there, another D2 school as the running back coach for the spring. And then I, my uncle was a college coach. Uh, he was a junior college coach and a smaller school coach. And he actually coached Gary Patterson at the JUCO level when Coach Patterson was a coach. So I got into some camps at TCU a couple of times to work those as a young coach. And that ended up turning into a GA job. And then my brother ended up I was the offensive GA, and he was the defensive GA at TCU for a little while, which was kind of a cool deal. And then I got to go to Central Connecticut as the wide receiver coach. I was there for about two weeks when Rob Likens, who's now at Miami, was the offensive coordinator at the time. And he left for a job at Louisiana Tech, and Coach McInerty hired me to be the offensive coordinator and, and call the plays and set up the offense. And so I got my experience doing that, and it was some of the most fun I've ever had coaching up there for two years at Central Connecticut. And then Coach Fuente, who I obviously worked with at TCU, got the Memphis job at the time. And he had talked to me about getting getting involved with them at Memphis. And so I decided to do that. I thought it was a good move to get involved. I always have a ton of respect for Coach Fuente. He's, in my opinion, the best head coach in America. So it was it was kind of a no-brainer to kind of join him. And I knew we'd get the, the Memphis program turned around and hit it in the right direction. So And then when he came to Virginia Tech, I wasn't going to have a chance to be on the field, and I wanted to be back on the field. So I got a job at UT Martin as the passing game coordinator with Jason Simpson for a year. That was a great experience. They do a lot of cool things on offense, so it was, it was really, really a fun year for me and my family. And from there I got hired back here at Virginia Tech and and got on as the tenth coach working with special teams and, and all kinds of different things on offense and then and now I was the running back coach. So it's a long track. My wife and I have moved like, you know, for our first five years of marriage, we'd moved five times and we we did a lot of stuff to stay in the profession and work in the profession. I didn't necessarily think I wanted to get to the power five or FBS level obviously I think every coach strives to be at the highest level and have a chance to win a championship at the highest level which I certainly do certainly have those goals to win at the highest level but I don't think when I was in my 20s if you have said you're going to go be the offensive coordinator at an FCS school and make enough to make a living I would have been the happiest guy in America to think about just making a living coaching football so you know the level of football is just kind of it's just kind of worked out how it has but i i certainly want to be involved with coaching college athletes and college football and and i'm very fortunate to to be where i am and to get this opportunity but i don't think i ever had it stuck in my head that i have to be at a certain level
0: with with uh, some of the other hats you've worn the off field experience you, you've been involved with player personnel and certainly there goes there's a lot of evaluation that goes into that part of it both you know, from the recruiting perspective and looking at where guys fit in your program. And, you know, you made an impact in that position while you're at Memphis, you know, looking at that and taking on some of those roles for for coaches who are out there. I mean, I think everybody has that drive to want to be an on-field coach, but what can you gain from those kinds of experiences?
1: You know, I think in general, no matter what your job is, uh, is to be to be the best you can at that job and let you know, obviously with Coach Puente, he always knew my goals. He knew me, Coach Puente and I were always close in the fact that he knew I would, I would tell him the truth. And I knew he would always tell me the truth. So he knew what my goals were, but he was never going to overpromise something that, that he wasn't ready to deliver on in terms of jobs or anything like that. So we both had an open, great communication, great understanding of where we were headed. And I think he valued, you know, I got to be involved with a lot of decisions at Memphis in terms of recruiting, in terms of just general program things that certainly helped my development. And as an assistant coach now, because I've been involved at so many different, you know, so many different things in a football program, it has helped me to understand the bigger picture. So it's not just about my guys. It's about helping the whole team and and understanding some of the things that a head coach, I don't think anybody really understands what a head coach goes through until they're a head coach. And I don't claim to, to know that, but I do think having been in conversations with coach and having helped him with some decisions along the way that it has helped me to understand the whole program and the direction of a program and uh, the problems and the the things that you're dealing with administratively and and from a football standpoint on a day to day basis. So I think that experience was huge for me. you know I was always you know heavily involved with a lot of things, and I think that was it was very beneficial for me as a coach long term as a coach, I think it's going to serve me very well.
0: You've been with Coach Fuente now in, in three different places, starting at TCU, then Memphis, and now at Virginia Tech. He's obviously someone you enjoy working with, as you mentioned, and I imagine a big part of this is the culture that he creates. What, what is it about uh, the way Coach Fuente runs his program and creates that culture and, and obviously allows you as a position coach to be able to lead there that has attracted you to be, you know, at these, these different programs with him?
1: Well, first of all, with coach Puente, like I always know where he stands. He tells our players this and I and he is he is not a, one of those guys that's a self-promoter or he's not a me guy, he's a we guy. Like he cares about the program, he cares about his kids, like they're his own. He's got 3 daughters and he treats our players the same, you know, he cares, he loves our guys. And, and he's the same way with the coaches and with me that I know where I stand. And I, I respect him because he's a a guy with great integrity and he's going to be tough, but he is who he, he is not one of those guys that on TV or he's not going to put on an act. Like, you know, where he stands. And I appreciate that about coach. And I think our guys do, we have a great team right now in terms of great kids. We've been a really young team the last couple of years and, we're pretty excited about actually being an older team, you know. So we finally got some a bunch of juniors and seniors. I think we only had like four or five seniors on the team last year. So, you know, Coach has is, is kind of handled the transition here and, and kind of building a team with a bunch of young guys. And, and we did that at Memphis. We built it, you know, from the kind of the ground up in terms of recruiting the type of kids that wanted to embrace. You know, our, one of our mantras is hard, smart, and tough. And we have kind of a hard hat mentality right now at Virginia Tech. And we want to recruit kids that have kind of embrace that. And that's his personality as well. And I think most teams take on the personality of the head coach. So, you know, the type of person he is, obviously he's very, very smart. He's a great coach in terms of understanding how to push the right buttons. And he's an avid reader, so he's always looking for – you know our strength coach and our our athletic trainer and him are and are always sharing book ideas, books that they've read, so he's always looking for ways to motivate our guys, ways to improve as a person as a coach and he and he tries to get us to do the same thing as as coaches on his staff so just the the total the person that he is, the way he wants us to be successful and he encourages us to keep developing is is the reason I've been attracted to coming back and working with him multiple times because I believe that he's he is a really good football coach and a really good person.
0: So in, in looking at your, your responsibility now and having your own room, your position, your Coach essentially has you know given you ownership in your piece of the culture, right? And how that is, is going to form out of your room and everybody's style is different. You can't go in there and be Coach Fuente. You're going to be Adam Lechtenberg. So for you, what does that room look like and, and what are the things that you know, those guys hear over and over those sound bites or those buzzwords that really become a part of who your position group is?
1: Well, like, you know, I learned as a young coach, I remember when I first got to Wayne State coaching the wide receivers, you know, I remember trying, I took a class in college and and actually Tom Osborne taught the class, which was really interesting. It was a coaching football class. And I remember him saying, you know, don't try to be Tom Osborne or don't try to be Barry Switzer, whoever he uses examples, but be yourself. And I remember my first spring at Wayne State. I was, I felt like looking back on it when I was doing some self evaluation. I was trying to be like what I thought the head coach uh, wanted me to be like, you know. And so I learned from that experience that that I need to be who I am, and my guys, I think, will respond better when I just in myself, you know. And they learn to like who, who I am. So. I'm a guy who wants to educate my guys. I want them to have every tool, every opportunity for success. And I want to continue to, you know, motivate them in terms of making sure that they know where they stand in terms of development, in terms of opportunity and things like that. So I think my guys right now, I'm hopeful. We talk, you know, every day with this this coronavirus thing going on that we have to do it from, you know, Zoom or from FaceTime or whatever, I want them to know first and foremost that I care about them and that that I want them to be successful. I want all of them to have a chance to be successful and and whoever plays and all that is up to their talent and how hard they work and all that stuff. But I want them to know that I care about them them as a person and their academics and their development as a football player. I think all those things are really critical to me as a coach. Uh, I want them to know my family. I want them to be involved and I want them to feel, feel a part of our family. And I think my role as an assistant coach is to communicate and to support the program the head coach's kind of vision of the program and I think that's what we want in, a, in the running back room is we are a hard smart tough program and so we want the running back room to lead as far as being hard smart tough people and hard smart tough players we do not want to be thought of as the group that's not the tough guys you know running backs a hard position it's a physical position and so we want to be uh, – we want to develop into the guys on the team that everybody knows are tough and hard-nosed and accountable because we do those things. We have talented guys. We're going to make plays, and we're going to have a lot of fun. But if we are not tough and we are not smart, it's, it's really hard to play football and be successful if, if you don't do those things. So those are the things that I want my guys to be is, is the things that our whole program and our players already know is what we echo, which is being a tough, hard-nosed kid
0: with you know this time right now where spring practice has been missed and so there's still though the opportunity to develop these guys especially to be smart you're counting on them to physically develop themselves on their own away from you but you have your zoom meetings you have materials you could share how have you gone about being able to teach i guess in a different way right now you're doing distance learning you know to teach with these guys not in the same room
1: well that's a great great question you know it is a it is Certainly challenging as a coach when you can't, you know, look them in the eye in the same room, and and uh, you rely on them. You know, quite frankly, I'm very fortunate. My guys have been very good communication and and just taking care of their business. To be honest with you, in terms of academics, which is the main priority right now, is making sure they're they're doing well in school. But it does stretch you as a coach, and in a lot of ways, it's kind of like we talked about my job in the, the player personnel role. It 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 can make you better if you if you work for it. This can make me a better coach that I can actually communicate online better. I can do uh, basically meetings and clinics online. Like that's going to stretch me as a coach, and I think looking at it that way certainly helps. So we we go through some tape, and we we're trying. To, we have new guys in that room. We have a, a handful of new players that we've that we got in the mid year that we were excited to see in the spring and see how they performed. Obviously, we're not going to get that chance, so. What what I'm trying to do is make sure everybody in that room, when we do get to come back and play some football, is is knowledgeable in our offense and knowledgeable of their role within it, and it has a little bit of background in fundamentals, but it's really a lot harder to do fundamental work when you're not there with them, but it's the scheme and the teaching and the, the general understanding that we spend a lot of time on. And I think my guys are doing a good job of kind of learning on their own and and keeping up to date, and then obviously the academics and the and the workout stuff. So, the Zoom meetings and the FaceTimes and all that is is certainly challenging. But as Coach Puente has said, this is the perfect generation to handle that because they are they've grown up with those phones. They've grown up with technology. Yeah, us coaches are the ones that have to adjust our kids. This is easy in terms of understanding what's going on. But for us, it's been an adjustment for us coaches. But Like I said, you know, we have a chance to get a lot of things organized that maybe we didn't before and in long term could be be a good thing for our development as well.
0: Yeah, you've mentioned that a couple of times, you know, for you, it's about keeping your own development going, being able to self-evaluate and reflect. So just just starting with this right here, has there been anything that as as we've gone into this and you've you've had to look at things a different way that I guess gave you pause to reflect and. Maybe determine, hey, here's something I want to develop in the future that will help us as a team, will help my unit.
1: Well, you know, one thing that, that's a little different that I've I've come to really like and appreciate is, is that will help my room if I can recruit the right kind of kids is the face-to-face interactions with recruits and parents via FaceTime or if they set up a Zoom or whatever. Like I had not used that as much in the past as probably I should have in recruiting. You know, like – you have phone calls and texts and all that, but getting a lot more, you know, you're trying your best to interact with people that can't come on your campus. So, so this isn't with my unit as much, but just in general, like not using the technology and recruiting is certainly something I've, I've found to be very beneficial. And I think something even after this thing is over with that, I'll definitely want to use more in the future than I have in the past in terms of communication with parents and kids and, just having that, being able to look at them in the eye and them to actually know what you look like and all that kind of stuff, I think is helpful. And this, this has helped me with that, you know, and then I think our kids being able to, you know, log into our system and watch some cut-ups that you make for them and then answer questions that you don't have to actually be right there with them, but, you know, maybe they communicate. And so when this thing is over, maybe you can still do some of that in terms of game prep and things like that. So I do think there's been some some benefits in terms of learning for me yes that that can help our group in the future
0: when you're looking at putting together that that library for your players to be able to use whether it's stuff that maybe in you know fall camp can supplement their learning on the field in the classroom have you felt that there's things maybe that are are in practice better than others i know it's easy to assign a kid a playlist right but i think this is true like as coaches We'll sit there and spend hours watching playlists if if you gave them to us those kids you know they're a lot of times they're in and out and they're on to their next thing and you know either are they're, you know they' students as well but any kind of tips or any kind of things you've learned along the way that have been most effective
1: well like one of one advantage I had as a coach in my opinion is i was a i was a business major in in uh, college and I got my teaching endorsement right after that basically and So I spent a lot of time in educational classes. One thing I always remember from those classes, a teacher once told me that a a student can pay attention approximately as long as their age. So, for example, a 12-year-old kid can pay attention to you for about 12 minutes, and then you better switch the topic or change it up or let them stand up. Because as a teacher, if you try to talk for 50 minutes, straight through to 12 year olds, you probably won't get after about 12 to 15 minutes, you probably won't have much, got many people paying that close of attention. So you translate that to 18 to 22 year olds, it's probably still somewhat true. And so I try to package my information in approximately 20 minute increments. That doesn't mean a meeting's only going to last 20 minutes or their time on a video is only going to last 20 minutes, but I don't want them to sit and watch the inside zone for an hour and a half and expect them to actually get much out of that. And after about 20 to 25 minutes, you know, I just, I try to, so if I want them to watch a couple of things, it's going to be maybe eight to 10 selected plays of a certain scheme, and then maybe eight to 10 plays of another scheme. And then I can follow it up with some questions, either via text or whatever that they have to answer. So I kind of feel like they got the content, you know, as a former teacher, I think that's something I've learned is, everybody learns differently. You know, some kids can watch the video. We have some really smart kids. They can watch the video one time and they know how to perform and do those things. And some kids need to actually do it, you know, functionally. They, they will not remember it until they've repped it, but you can try to give them as much information. And so between doing it, between video, between paper copies and all that kind of stuff, or, or digital copies, finding ways that your guys can learn and trying to keep it in a small enough increment that they can realistically take it in and actually learn is is the important things. And I think that has been something that we try to do is give them, give it to them in enough in a simple enough or small enough form that they can, they can learn it. And then we can move on to another topic and they can continue to learn instead of just remembering it. I want them to learn it and not remember it. I want them to know what they have to do and not, re, re, not just be able to regurgitate you know what they know they need to know what what our scheme is so those are things that we try to do to to help our guys just keep it in small
0: increments coach as as you progress through this and and we're able to get back out on the field i know you didn't get a lot of of time with your group yet but for you how do you envision developing these guys now when you can get back out there physically and do some things what what are some key things that you want your running backs to focus on
1: well like here's the things that you know just and it may not be in exactly this order, but I've coached pretty much every position on offense at the college level, except for technically tight ends. I've worked with tight ends in the past, but have not actually been a position coach for tight ends. But everywhere else, I've pretty much worked with a with group, which has been kind of cool. So my thing has always been, I want to teach anticipation. And what I mean by that is, I want my guys to know what's going on so they can anticipate and make the plays at their talent level or that they're able to to make because they know, you know, what's going on. What I mean by teach anticipation is they need to know our scheme really well. They need to know what's going on on the other side of the ball. So they know, you know, if they're reading it, the the first down lineman on the play side, like, you know, they need to know uh, if they're in an odd front or an even front. They need to understand if we're in protection and they – I have an outside in read or an inside out read. They need to understand what the movement of the safeties might mean for them, what the alignment of a walked up backer might mean to them based on game plan and details like that. So the other part of that is, you know, they're blocking on the perimeter. They need to understand what we're telling the ball, the guy with the ball on like a jet so they can anticipate what could happen and what what our runner should be doing so we can kind of Anticipate, which helps them to play faster, which gives them every opportunity to be successful. And so that's one thing I want to te- what I what I talk to my guys about is I want them to be able to anticipate because they are smart, because they know what's going on, and because I've coached a lot of positions, I feel like, and I've been with Coach Cornelson our offensive of coordinator, is one of the best OCs in the country, and we've worked together for a long time as well. And so I do feel like I know what what he's trying to get out of a scheme and out of a play, and because of that, I think it's going to help our guys you know, see the big picture. The other thing is obviously fundamentals. You can't play successfully without having some fundamentals and starts with alignment and then vision. You need to you need to see what's going on again in pass pro or run game. You need to scan the field and understand when you align what's going on out there. And that leads into footwork, which, you know, most of the time the running back's responsible for the mesh of the quarterback, especially in today's age where everything's in the gun and you're tr- you're trying to read a lot of things at the quarterback position. The the running back has a huge responsibility to, to understand that that footwork also includes landmarks of where he's, you know, where we think a play is going to hit and and tracking that and understanding aiming points and and read keys. And then that the point of attack fundamentals. You know, so these are all fundamentals. The point of attack would be, you know, making the correct cut or the right read on an inside run or an outside run. We have drills for that, and then blocking at the point of attack is another fundamental skill that we have to develop in terms of understanding where the quarterback's launch point is understanding how to close the distance and and use your hands and hips to to do a good job executing so so the fundamentals of that are important and then obviously you know ball drills ball security is is paramount and anytime you're carrying the football or have the football in your hand and then we throw the ball to our running back so being able to function as a receiver and understand past schemes is important. And so we're going to work on that fundamentally. And then the final fundamental thing that we kind of have in a category is finished, which is figuring out ways to drill, making people miss in the third level at the safety level, running through arm tackles. So we have a lot of guys in the past or at, everywhere I've been is a big, especially for young players that aren't as strong. You see them get their, their toes clipped and they maybe could have had a huge play, but they're just not quite strong enough or they don't have enough knee drive to finish when they break through the linebacker level. And instead of having a 50 yard touchdown, we have a 12 yard game or an eight yard game. And so just drilling those things when we get back out there, you know, on how to finish big plays based on just opportunities and practice with drill work and then understanding and then strength and, and how to, how to escape people. Because a lot of that at our position obviously is natural. We recruit guys that can do that, but we want to give them every opportunity to to be in that position before they get out there on Saturdays. And then the last thing that, that we're going to continue to develop is the total, total player development on and off the field. You know, Coach Puente talks about this a lot, and when guys go to class, when guys get good grades, when guys are accountable, it's amazing how when those are the those are the cases that you, you seem to be accountable on the football field. You seem to make plays on the football field. They go together. And so continuing to develop guys to sort of link those or to dot those, connect those dots that those things off the field, they do carry over on the field. And so those are the three big things you know football-wise that when we get back out there that I want to do. I want them to understand what we're doing as an offense. I want them to be fundamentally sound. And I want them to understand that what they do off the field will carry over on the field, and that can go into their personal life, to their sleep habits, to everything. But so those are the things that we will try very hard to to communicate and to to help our guys with.
0: I'll ask you a few questions about you know making the right read. I think there's a lot of things that running backs, you know, very athletic guys, they make people miss, do all those kinds of things in space. And sometimes, especially with a young back, it's it's getting him to be able to find that space, getting him into that hole that, that's been created uh, for him. I'm just interested in the different kinds of drills and the way you develop their ability to make the right read.
1: Well, like you know, obviously with young running back, most of the time, and it's not always the case, is it slowing them down enough to see the cuts because a lot of times they want to get in there and make a play so bad, maybe they don't get as many touches because they are a young player or they haven't got as many reps as the older guys, but getting the game to slow down because they know what the read is and what they're doing. And then obviously just getting the experience of slowing down, you know, early in terms of the mesh, in terms of their movement. And then when they see a crease, being able to go slow to fast, you know, having some drills, you know, I don't have anything specific to talk to you about, but any drill that you can do where they have to make, be kind of going at a good slower pace and then burst once they see air or once they see a crease, I think is good. You know, you maybe have a, you you, a lot of people will do uh, drills where they have to cut off of a person, you know, right close as close as they can get to that person, and then make a cut based on the direction of the point or the direction of the block. Those are really good drills, but I think as a fundamental skill, getting to be able to go slow to fast is a important thing for a young player to be able to do in terms of if you slow down and then all of a sudden you see a crease and you need to hit it. And the other thing is you can, in my opinion, I tell my guys this quite a bit, I can watch a I can watch a tape of a a run play and say, well, yeah, you should have went there because there's a big hole, but that's not always the case. It's not reality. Like it's easy to watch a tape in slow motion and tell a guy where he should have went. So what I try to do is, is, Teach them what we're doing on the offensive line, and what we're doing at H back, and what we're doing schematically, so they can understand where the ball might hit and understand what the defense is doing. So, so again, it goes back to that teaching anticipation, and then the drill work would be, you know, all those drills that you can make quick, sharp cuts, you know, on close proximity. So you're not just, you know, those are the drills that I like for those kind of things. We we incorporate those in our Pre-practice, early practice drills when our quarterbacks are working on, uh, you know, we call it play polish, where we're we're working on meshes and, and reads, and we will have a have a dummy there, uh, a guy with a with with a bag that'll give them directions, so they have to attack their their landmark or their aiming point, and then they have to make a cut off that even if they don't have the ball. You know, we'll do those things to to try to try to work that every day.
0: Yeah, I mean a lot of it is gonna be that just visual reaction and, and quick decision making. Um so you always wanna have those kinds of keys and I think it makes your, your mestrels, those kinds of things more effective. You've you've talked about teaching anticipation here a few times with that in in have you know, teaching that, you know, for example hey, this defensive lineman is in this certain gap. Most likely he's staying there. All right, you're going to make sure he stays there. Then your eyes might go here. Any kind of things that you do from a process pre-snap-wise that I I guess for lack of better terms, kind of a mental checklist that you want these guys to look maybe from a certain point scan and find those kinds of things that are going to help them at least from the beginning, give them an idea where to go?
1: I mean, that's a really good question. and to be honest, I don't necessarily have a checklist, but I think that's probably a good idea, you know, in terms of what I do want them to do is, is make sure they're aligned properly. Uh, Cause in our offense, that does matter in terms of, we have simple alignment rules, but I want to make sure they're where they're supposed to be. And I do think we talk about vision and I think it's a good idea to scan the field, whether it's a run or a pass. So we, first of all, so it, so it's, looks the same for these people that are really good at scouting. And secondly, understanding where, you know, if a team is a big edge blitz team or a big base defense team, I think understanding that a blitz might be coming can help them in their run, run reaction. If they're getting the ball, understanding where the ball might hit, because we would have, we will have talked about it. The other side of that is obviously in pass protection. And so I guess my, my thing would be without having an actual checklist would be, I want them to scan the field and they need to at least look at the person that they were, they should, have, that should be reading if it's a run play or have scanned where their protection responsibilities are every time. I don't want them to be looking at the ground or just trying to remember what do I do in this play. I want them to understand how what the defense is doing will impact their job on the play. So those would be the, the things I would talk about.
0: Definitely. I think those kinds of keys, like you said, hey, there's there's a guy lined up on the edge, there's, you know, a blitzer there, whatever. Things that might affect where you're going. So if it was a stretch play as an example, and you see Force right up on the edge, you know that thing most likely is gonna get turned up and hit a little bit quicker. So I think it's as you say, teaching that anticipation.
1: Yeah, understanding what the things that hopefully they've already seen on film. And understanding how that could because what what you also don't want to do is create a bunch of robots who think well coach you told me that the ball will probably hit up quicker well they still got to trust their eyes and their vision but but that anticipation that we will back to that word anticipation I think it will help them you know
0: definitely well coach as as we wrap up here the last question I always like to ask is to really have you focus on something that you know in all the things you do whether that's on the field or off the field what's what's that one thing that really is important to giving your players the winning edge
1: understanding competitiveness is very important for success, and there's a lot of people who are competitive when it's easy when things are when you're winning or when you don't have to work that hard but being competitive when it's hard when it's fourth and one when it's Eighty thousand people screaming, and you're down by twelve. And in going into the fourth quarter, when you are at home because of coronavirus, and you have to get up and make yourself work out. Like, are you competitive at those points? You know, someday when you're standing in a line with forty other people who want a job, how competitive are you? Are you gonna just say, "Well, I can't get this job because there's forty other people"? Or are you gonna find out how to compete and win that job? So, I guess the word competitive developing an understanding of what that actually means is important to me. It's important to that my guys know in this world that they're gonna to have to be competitive to be successful, whether it's in life or in the football field. And it's not just competitive when it's easy when you're playing a pickup basketball game. It's competitive every day. Uh and finding and, and competitive also means developing a plan for success, uh, to give yourself an opportunity to be successful. So that'd be one thing that I think is important. I just understand uh, those things about if you want to be a if you want to be a successful person, I believe being a competitive person is very important to do that.
0: Coach, before we go, I want to make sure our coaches out there listening know where you're out and about recruiting. What are your areas?
1: I recruit the you know kind of the southern section of Virginia, like Southwest Virginia, through Roanoke, a little bit of Charlottesville, and kind of uh, up to Harrisonburg. And then I recruit the whole state of Tennessee, and then I recruit Northwest Georgia, which I've been in and out of Georgia, and I have recruited Pennsylvania since I've been here. And, and when I was the 10th coach, I, got to, I, was a, I traveled a lot on Fridays and, and evaluated kids. So I was fortunate enough to see a lot of the best players in the country you know, play live. So it's been really cool to see, to see a lot of different state football. And, but those are my areas. It's Tennessee, Northwest Georgia, and kind of the southwest side of, of Virginia right now.
0: What's the best way for coaches to connect with you?
1: I mean, I have a Twitter account, and obviously I'm always on that, so they're always welcome on that. My my email is lech17 at vt.edu. So any questions or things that they would like to know, they can call me or shoot an email on that. My Twitter handle is at CoachLect. So either of those two ways are great ways to contact me if they, if they would, would like to chat.
0: Coach, I appreciate you taking the time and talking some ball with us here today. And best of luck to you and the Hokies as you get back to it in 2020.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it.
0: Coaches, again, I want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might've lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, Please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week.